My name is Steve Rivera. I'm going to be the preaching pastor today. And those you don't know me, I'm also a member of this church. And I just never get tired of saying that. I really enjoy being a member of this church, especially after all the time I've been here. And I am going to launch a new series today, which I feel very privileged to do. I believe the last one I launched that I had the privilege was renamed Unstuck. And hopefully those of you that were stuck at that time are unstuck now. And if you're not, at least you know how to get unstuck. Amen? So this series is going to be called Courageous Faith. And we're going to talk about what it means to have what is called courageous faith. How that looks, how it was exemplified in the Bible, what biblical characters practiced it. And I hope you're uh, noticing that as we go through this series, uh, a couple weeks with me and whoever else will be uh, in this pulpit during this time, that you will recognize that these are not super ordinary people that exemplified courageous faith. There are ordinary people like myself and yourself. And one thing that I learned, or I'm learning, I have a hard time saying I learned, because every time I think I learned something, I find out I have more to learn about what I thought I learned. So one time somebody asked me, how do you know when you're a mature Christian? How do you know when you reach maturity? I don't know. I can really tell you for sure because I'm not sure I reached it. But I think an indicator that you're going in that direction is when you realize how much you don't know. I think that's a sign of spiritual maturity. When you think you know it all, that's when you have a problem. Like some of you know, I'm also an SUD counselor, licensed. Uh, and one of the things I always used to tell my process groups was, the minute you think you understand all this, the minute you think you have all the 12 steps or uh, 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 steps of a change or whatever it is that you're practicing and you think you got it all down and you know all there is to know about it, that's where you better watch out because you're headed for a relapse. It's when you know you don't know and when you know you have to keep learning and you know you have to keep striving and you know you have to keep reaching and you know you have to keep asking and having being mentored and being instructed through the word of God and depend on the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's when you're moving toward maturity. Amen? Can my church give me an amen? Amen. Thank you, church. I see you didn't forget about me. <laughs> so let's turn uh, to the book of Genesis. And we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 22, going through verses 1 through 19. Is the story. I won't be uh, 
every verse won't be pulled up on, on the screen. I do that purposely because I want you to read it for yourself, first of all. And plus, because I've been doing this for a while, and I've learned that when you read every single verse from a, from a, from a particular chapter, a lot of times your audience falls asleep. So I'm going to do more story narration and highlight certain verses to make my points. So I don't want nobody in here falling asleep on me. <laughs> so starting with verse 1, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. Abraham replied. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I thank you uh, just for the blessing and the confidence you show to allow me to uh, handle your word, which I don't take for granted and I don't take lightly the importance and the sacredness of it, Lord. I ask you that you Keep me mindful of all those things. And as always, that I don't mess up and I don't mess up anybody that's listening to me by not staying in tune with you. I pray that anything that I might have added on here uh, in my own understanding that you do not want, I pray that you will omit it in the way that you only can by your grace in your wisdom. And if I missed anything, Lord, something that you want to say today, I pray that you add it in the same way. I also pray for the attention, the blessing, and the spiritual awakening and awareness of all of us that are here together, rather in person or over the uh, social media outlets. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I want you to see that when God called Abraham, Abraham's response was, here I am. And that kind of brought to mind another time when God called somebody, and that was the prophet Samuel. And in... uh, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And it's saying this because previously the Lord was calling to Samuel. Samuel was hearing a voice, but he was going to his mentor, Eli, and saying, Here I am. What do you need? And waking Eli up. Because the voice woke up Samuel. And Eli would say, I didn't call you. <laughs> go, yeah, you did. I heard you. He said, no, you know, you must be dreaming, kid, or whatever. You know, go back to bed, rest. And so on the third time, it says the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, 
you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And then it goes on. So when God called him again, Samuel knew what to say, and, and he received what God wanted him to receive. Now, a quick point I'm making uh, on this, in this particular uh, part, because in order to, I always believe you have to build the foundation to know how to move forward. You have to have your starting point, right? You have to have an understanding to know what you're, how you're moving forward in something. So in order to be able to practice and move forward with courageous faith and understand courageous faith, you have to understand what the elements are to put it together. And one of those is being able to hear God. Amen? And I just wanted to make a point here because it says when Abraham was called, he said, here I am. He knew God was calling him. When Samuel was called, he said, here I am, but he was going under his own understanding to who he thought was calling him because he'd never been called by God before. He didn't know how to recognize God's voice yet. So I just wanted a little sidebar here because uh, I love, as you know, I love my young people. And um, when I say young, it's pretty much anybody born after 1977 is a youngster to me. But particularly the young people, the, 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 the young adults here. And I say this, that I think you are the future and, and, and uh, the catalyst and the motivation for this church, and you will carry it long past my time and those of us that have been longer in the Lord. But understand something, young people. You may hear from God, but sometimes you need us older folks to know either you heard from God or to help you know what to do with it when you hear from him. Amen? Just saying. <laughs> you still need us. We have, a, we have a place in your lives also. Amen? So the point I'm making on this is building, like I said, a foundation for courageous faith, understanding. First of all, it's important to know God's voice. Amen? Because there's a lot of different voices we hear. We hear society's voice. We hear our own voice. We hear the voice of social media, which the more I explore that, look at it, that's a loud voice. You know, I deal with young people that that voice is louder than almost any other voice they hear. It defines how they think about themselves. It defines their self-identity sometimes. So there's a lot of voices that we're hearing, you know, the voice. I said sometimes our own understanding, our own voice, our own way of, of thinking things should be. Uh, learned behavioral voices that maybe we grew up in a dysfunctional environment. And that voice is still there. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. I'm speaking for me right now. Because <laughs> I still deal with my own dysfunctions. And like I tell my team and I tell a lot of, uh, I still call my clients because they still call me. 
even though I'm in management now, but I still deal and go on the field from time to time. And one thing I always tell them is the only difference between you and me is I'm just as much a mess as you are. It's just I learned how to make my mess work for me. <laughs> I learned how to function within my dysfunction. I learned to have my crazy actually be productive. So speaking of crazy, let's move on to verse 2 in Genesis. Now, set the setting again. God said, called Abraham. Abraham, right away, without hesitation, here I am. And, and in saying that, it's not just here. He's saying, here I am, what do you need? What would you have of me? That's what that response means. I'm here for you, Lord. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. If this was a TV show, you would hear, dun, right? I mean, that was heavy, man. And I think this is one of the, and I'm, I'm glad we're looking at Genesis to launch off Courageous Faith, because I think this is one of the hardest ones to digest, especially for parents. And probably for, you know, uh, adults, especially young adults don't have uh, children, thinking, oh, my parent never tried to pull that on me. It's on. <laughs> I love my mom. I love my dad. But I got my limits. I, you know, I got a line to draw here. And that's what we say. We say, how could a loving God even ask that? Right? Now, we know how it turns out, so it's like, oh, okay. He can. But imagine Abraham didn't know exactly how it was going to turn out. He was just told. And so he did what he was told. He went and got his son Isaac, and they went to where God told them to go. They went with their servants, I guess a little caravan, which they probably had to travel in those days together just because of, you know, robbers on the road or whatever dangers might be on the road. And when they got to a certain point, Abraham left the servants behind. He said, me and my son will continue the rest of the way. He piled all the wood up with with, uh, Isaac, and he held on to the fire and the knife, and they proceeded. Now, in verse 7, and there's nowhere recorded that Isaac had anything to say until we get to verse 7. It says, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? (laughs) Poor young man. Can you imagine what's going through his head? He's thinking, thinking, and saying, you know, I'm carrying all this wood. 
I see my father has a knife. <laughs> I see he got the fire ready to, you know, blaze it up to burn the, burn the offering. I don't see no offering. <laughs> it's only me, my father. Something's wrong here. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> Amen? Abram answered and said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now, I want, I want you to get the significance of this. Sometimes, you know, because of the, the old coffee table Bibles with the pictures, we see Isaac as this young, you know, really young man, maybe 12 or 14 or something like that, either a young teen or preteen and following, you know, his, his, his big father up. But in researching this, a lot of bi- biblical scholars think Isaac was probably around 25. But then when you do the math, because if you read the Bible and if, it's, if, it's, if the numerology is correct, correctly interpreted, it says that Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. And at this point, she was 127. So that would make Isaac around 37. So this was no small child. And Abram, I think, was 100 or something like that. I, I don't remember the exact age of him at that time. But he was old. So you got this young, strapping, strong young man that could have easily overpowered his father because he just walked away and said, catch me if you can. Right? I ain't having this. But he just willingly followed. So I think Isaac's faith, his courageous faith, gets overlooked a lot in this story. Because he had to have just as much faith. Because when his father said, God will provide, he believed him. Because he never seen that God didn't provide. <laughs> he knew his father's faith. And he knew his father's faith was well-founded and justified. So even though there was no evidence... He believed. That's what courageous faith is, my brothers and sisters. Not in what you can see, (laughs) but what you can't see, but you can believe God in for. Amen? I think one of the songs was that out of our mouth come miracles, right? Do you believe that? And if you don't, that's fine. That's what you're here for. <laughs> so you start to believe. Amen? That's what this all courageous faith is about. To believe. I want you to see a couple other examples. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. And this real Quickly, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick rundown. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three he- Hebrew uh, young people. 
in um, Babylon. I think Nebuchadnezzar was the, was the, or am I wrong? Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar was the uh, was the king at the time, and he had built this huge golden statue, and they made a they made a proclamation that everybody, when when any kind of music is played, a trumpet sounding, any kind of musical instrument strikes, that everybody has to bow down to that statue and worship it because they're worshiping Nebuchadnezzar because he wanted to be worshipped as a god. Well, these three Hebrew children only worship the one true God, and they refuse. Long story short, they were threatened with anybody that doesn't will be thrown into a blazing furnace. And I want you to pay attention to what they said when they were given the choice. Are you going to worship, or are you going to take the consequences? And here's what they said. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your God's or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if he doesn't, we know he is more than capable of doing it. We know he has the power to do it. We have no doubt that he can deliver us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, even if he chooses not to, we want you to know And by saying that we're not going to worship, they're saying we're not going to turn against him. We're going to worship him regardless of what he does. If he does what we would want him to do, or he chooses to do something else, we want you to know we are going to worship him. Here or in the furnace, we are going to continue to worship him. Amen? Amen? That's a little heavy for some of us, right? That went, whoa, you're talking about, you know, supernatural, you know, uh, Marvel stuff, you know. That's MCU. Don't have that kind of power. Yes, we do. See, that's, that's the whole point. Yes, we do. Hopefully we don't come to that point. But maybe we could start off with just making choices, right? Choose to not get yourself fired or anything, but just choose to stand up for who you are. Choose to stand up for your faith in the workplace. Choose to stand up for your faith and for your family. And remember I said stand up for, not stand against. (laughs) We're not not to embattle people. Our, Our warfare isn't against flesh and blood the principalities and powers in high places. So when we stand up, we stand up against that. And we stand in love. And we stand with, I'm here for you, but I draw the line here. (laughs) Because this is everything. Amen? Another example. Uh, I want to move on here. 
And this is in John chapter 11, verses 21 to 22. The book of John. We're talking about the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. You know the story. Jesus was asked to come because he was very sick. And he delayed because he allowed Lazarus to pass away, basically. And so when he did finally show up, Martha met him and said, you know, it's too late. He's already stinking. He's been, you know, he's been dead for three days. And I, what, was, what I find interesting here in this, it doesn't say Mary came. And Mary was the one that chose the better part. Remember? Martha's sister Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet. Martha was the one that went around, you know, making sure everything was just right and, and, and uh, was the uh, administrator, <laughs> making everything, you know, for the guests and serving them and everything. And Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet. And Jesus even said that she chose the better part. But I found it interesting that Mary didn't even show up. <laughs> she didn't even face Jesus. I don't know what that means. I got my own ideas, but that's a whole different sermon. But Martha did, and then she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Did you hear that, church? I heard some, hmm? Did you hear that, church? Even now, man, if that don't get you excited, even though the, the, the ceiling fell in on me, even though everything went far, even though I got this horrific diagnosis, even though, even though, even though, even now, it doesn't matter the time, doesn't matter if it's 11 hours and 59 minutes to midnight. Even now, that's what courageous faith is, my brothers and sisters. When you could say, even now. And if he doesn't, I want you to know, if he doesn't, I will still worship him. I will still do what he's called me to do. Because even now, amen? Ah, somebody needs to get, man. Oh, I wish, I wish I, this church just knew how to praise God. <laughs> I really do. I wish this church could get excited. Brother Nathan, man, I wish we get some worship up in here, amen? <laughs> That's okay. I'll get excited for you. Because the word of God excites me, amen? Oh, my church, my church, my church. But it's okay. Because that's what you're here to learn, amen? That's what you're here for. So you hear, you learn. And it starts with learning God's voice. Right? Learning what God wants from us. And that doesn't come by osmosis, right? <laughs> it doesn't magically appear. 
It is learned behavior. Amen? And we learn it through the word of God. We learn it by searching the scriptures. And that's what we're doing here. That's what this series is going to do. We're going to explore the scriptures together, right? We're going to unpack them together. And we're going to find out what this creative faith is all about. And even more so, how do we employ this faith in our own lives? Maybe some of us already are. Maybe we just need a tune-up. Maybe we need some pointers on how to explain that to others, how to exemplify that in front of others, how to pass it on better. I don't know, but I do know one thing. We're all here because we all need something. Amen? Including yours truly. Because God don't make no mistakes. God doesn't work on circumstances and oops, how'd you get in here? God doesn't work like that. God knows exactly what he's doing, when he's doing it, how he's doing it, and why he's doing it. Amen? Amen. So I want you to buckle up, get ready, because we're on an amazing ride. We're going to explore Something that maybe some of us hadn't explored yet, or some of us need to circle back to. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? And without the courage to produce that faith, to show that faith, to walk in that faith, how are we going to do anything? <laughs> how are we going to help a lost and dying world? How are we going to help to? Infuse hope into a hopeless generation when we don't know what it looks like, when we don't know why it is. I'm, 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 I know, I get, I get caught up in this, in this one, man. I could keep on going, but, but I'm going to wrap up, I promise. But this is what I want for you, church. This is what I want for me, and whatever I want for me, I want for you. And I'm sure anybody else that takes this pulpit, and I know our senior pastor Dave wants it because I've had many deep conversations with him throughout the years. And this is what is wanted. This is what is needed. And more important than that, this is what God wants for us. Because it doesn't matter if it's just us that want it. This is what God wants. Because God wants us to be the most Amazing, productive, loving, faithful servants to him that we can be. He wants us to be as close as his own son, Jesus, to him. Amen? That's why he gave us the opportunity to be that. But he knows we didn't start like Jesus did, knowing it all. We have to learn it. (laughs) It's a process and a learning experience for us. So let's do that. Let's learn it together. Amen? You know, to me, courage was always being able to stand up, and especially the way I was brought up, I won't go into it too much, but living in a fearful environment and and finding my own understanding of how not to live in fear anymore and how to uh, to, uh, follow in the footsteps of those that didn't seem to have fear in my life. And it wasn't until I came to God 
And it took a while because at first I was thinking, okay, well, if I could be out there in the streets and I could be gangbanging and I could do all these criminal moves and stuff and in in these you know situations, well, then I could preach the gospel with the same kind of courage. Because if I could do it for the world and the devil, I could do it for God. But then I came to finally understand was I'm still doing it under my own understanding. I just shifted it to a different arena. (laughs) But I didn't learn yet. When I started to learn is when I realized, no, it's not me. As, As extraordinary as I tried to make myself in the world, so the world would respect me, for the world would fear me, for so the world would move out of my way. That wasn't what it was about. What it was about is realizing how ordinary I am. <laughs> how just another man I am. Just another part of human being. No better, no worse than any other human being that God created. The thing that makes me extraordinary is my God. In what he teaches me, in what he leads me into, then I could say, then I could say that I can do all things through Christ. Then I could say I'm extraordinary in him compared to the world. And at the same time, with the humility to love the world and not show myself any better than them, only in having better than them. And that's a big difference. I want you to understand that. Being better and having better are two very different things. And that's what we want to proclaim to the world. You know, just the other day, uh, I was walking when somebody told me, to come on, let's take a walk. And we were walking around outside uh, where my offices are. And I admire this person. They're a housing locator, and she is sharp, man. She's getting, I even send my people to her. You know, go to Mirsa, man. She'll, she'll, she'll hook you up. She'll show you the ropes and how to get our clients housed. And when we're walking, we're talking and stuff, and she tells me, you know what? I so admire you. I want to be like you. I see your leadership. I see the way you lead your staff. I see how your staff loves you. I see how you love your staff, I see how you care for them, how you protect them. She goes, I want to be like you. That's what I'm talking about. Because that has nothing to do with me. She sees that because of what I have. Amen? And that was a perfect opportunity to tell her, it's not me. (laughs) What I have, what you see, isn't produced by me. It comes from the authority on high. It comes from whom my faith rests in. Then I had a chance to share the gospel with her because she asked me. Amen? That's what we want. That's the courageous faith we want. Praise God. Last verse. Genesis, back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky in the sand on the seashore. Now we're going back to God's response after Abraham was obedient. If you know the story, the ram was produced, the sacrifice was made, and God answered again. 
Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Praise the Lord. Amen? Somebody praise the Lord. Even if you just, oh, thank you, praise God. I was going to say, even if you just do it in yourself, but praise you. <laughs> praise him. Thank you. Yes. How many of your descendants <laughs> need you to be courageous in your faith? How many of our children need us to be courageous? Our grandchildren, our co-workers. See, this is a promise. Ordinary people like us doing nothing more extraordinary than learning who Jesus is, learning how God works through Jesus, through us, and walking in that in obedience to what his word tells us to do, learning his voice and following that voice by the leader of the Holy Spirit. How many need us to do that? Amen? Personally, and how many need this church? How many need Mission Valley? The community around us needs us. People that are going to be coming in here need to walk into that. Amen? And in Jesus' name, that's what they're going to walk into. Amen? Not because I said so, because God said so. And all my church here is going to say to God, Amen. Thank you. And with that, we will segue <laughs> into communion. If you can uh, unbuckle yourselves again. <laughs> Worship team. You know, one of the one of the things that I always keep going back to is the gospel. And people talk about the gospel. We see gospel music. Uh, everybody's talking about, you know, preaching the gospel, giving the gospel message. But, you know, sometimes I, I tell myself, I got to go back and really remember what is the gospel message. If I'm saying I'm a minister of the gospel and I'm preaching the gospel, what am I actually preaching? I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, uh, results of it and some that we're talking about right now. But the core of the gospel is the fact that God loved us so much and didn't want to lose us and wanted to bring us back into his fellowship that he sent himself as his son Jesus to die and, and, and redeem us back through his sacrifice, through his blood, through his suffering, and through his resurrection. See, that's the core of the gospel message. That's what we have, that Jesus lives, that he died, that he lives again. That's what the, that's what the first century church were being martyred for. That's what they were being executed for, for daring to proclaim, we've seen Jesus, <laughs> he's alive, and there's nothing that you can do will make me recant that because I've seen it with my own eyes. And I know he is God. I know he is the Messiah. And I, I am not turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. 
Amen? And that's what we're going to do in remembrance of that, in proclamation of that, in confirmation of that, in this ordinance we're going to do right now of the Lord's Supper. And I'm just filling in because it takes me a while to do this. And I just realized that I don't know why I always wear a white shirt (laughs) when I'm going to be doing communion. One of these days I'll learn. (laughs) But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 11, 23 through 25, it reads here, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink, drink it in remembrance of me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the message we have, not only to give, but to live. I thank you for all the things that words would never thank you enough for. But in my humble and inadequate way, I thank you, and I lead in prayer this congregation and all those that are within the sound of my voice to also join in thanks to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.